Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Cougar Nation, welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday. First show of 2024. Glad to be on board with you, Matt Biamonte. Mitch Harper, BOU basketball opens things up in the Big 12 Conference tonight with a battle against Cincinnati. We'll break that down. Mark Pope will join the show. Ali Khalifa, a lot on BYU hoops. But, Mitch, let's start things off with a a weekend of announcements for BYU football. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. BYU basketball is getting ready for its first day in the Big 12 Conference and Big 12 play. BYU football finds a way to get inside the headlines, and when you land a quarterback, it's definitely going to be something we're discussing. BYU maybe has their QB1 in 2024. Gary Bohannon, formerly of Baylor and South Florida, now a member of the BYU Cougars, and then just moments ago, BYU picks up a commitment from four-star safety linebacker Falatau Satuala from Bountiful. He just announced on the All-American Bowl on KSL 5 TV. Um, first off, I'd just like to thank everyone who came out to support me. It means a lot to have this much support out here. Um, especially like to thank my parents for how much they've sacrificed and all the support over the years. Um, I'd like to thank everyone back home watching and all the coaches who are with So that being said, I'll be attending Brigham Young University. All right, so Rare day for BYU to actually get a hat ceremony in their favor. Big weekend for the Cougars. But that that emo- commitment from Satuwala is a massive get for Jay Hill and the defense, and then offensively getting Gary Bohan and what it means for the offense. Yeah, big time on both fronts, and we'll be breaking it down for what it means for BYU football. But first, Mitch, I want to get – your thought? I mean, hey, you're the resident BYU insider here at KSL. Give us the backstory to Bohannon, and lastly, the commitment with Satuala. Gary Bohannon was someone that BYU targeted often. Uh, you know, they were early identifier when he entered the portal, and he was someone that had to get an NCAA waiver to play another year of college football. He's been out with a shoulder injury last season, but he was someone that BYU targeted during the 2022 transfer portal cycle after he left Baylor, goes to South Florida, and it doesn't go well at his time with the Bulls as he suffered a shoulder injury. Now he comes to BYU, and, you know, I think he's going to have he's going to be the favorite to, to start next year for BYU. Uh, but it's got to be a competition. Him and Jake Retzlaff will compete for that job with an outside shot being given to Ryder Burton from Springville High School. But Bohannon, Retzlaff, those are the top two guys. And, you know, I think Bohannon, it, it's – he was once an Elite 11 quarterback. His, he's an outstanding character add to the BYU program. I mean, you think about uh, Dave Aranda announced his court, starting quarterback in the middle of spring in an effort to allow Gary Bohannon the chance to move on to South Florida before the transfer portal window closed so he could have a chance to play. 
uh, South Florida named Gary Bohannon week one starter this year, despite being out with a shoulder injury, because there's so much respect to Gary Bohannon. And I bring that up because Kalani Satake focuses so much on the culture of a program. I think Bohannon adds a lot to the culture of BYU. But what does he add on the field? It's a big mystery, Matt. If you get the best of Gary Bohannon, go look at those first five or six games in the 2021 season for Baylor where he's not throwing interceptions. He dealt with injuries that year for the Bears, opened the door for Blake Shapin to step in. You know, he's a good quarterback when he's healthy. Not as great of a runner as you would expect. I think people are kind of overinflating that a bit. But he is capable, a lot more capable than Keaton Slovis. But I think that this is a deal, adding Bohannon, where you still have to compete and have competition in the program. One, to maintain all the numbers in your quarterback unit. But two, a guy coming off a massive shoulder surgery, you can't just hand the keys. you got to kind of see, get a feeler as to you know how much of an impact he can possibly make. But I think he's going to have the inside track to win the job. And that's what I like the most about the move, Mitch, is that you're not just handing the keys to someone. And that's not to say it can't work because we've seen it work plenty of times in the NIL era of college football where you bring in someone, he's highly recruited, and he plays well. So th- that's not uncommon. But I like the idea of a Bohannon in terms of there's great upside, but it's low risk because if it doesn't work, it's fine. If he doesn't win the job, not a big deal. You go with Rhett Slaff or maybe even the young guy, Ryder Burton. Or you find a quarterback in the post-spring window. Yeah, right. So it's – this doesn't necessarily yeah, – I think what you said is best. This is not the Keaton Silva situation. When he came in, it was clearly, you're the guy. Even though we, in the spring it was, it's a battle, it's a battle. We knew all along that Keaton Slovis was going to be the starting quarterback. This is you bring a guy in, it adds some competition. If he can regain form, then I'm with you. Then I think that he does have the inside track because of he's got that history of playing with Grimes. He has a lot of experience. And he doesn't have the recent uh, bad taste of nasty turnovers that Jake Retzlaff had at the end of the uh, last year. But if he's not healthy or he's not playing well, it's it's no big deal. You don't feel an, necessarily an obligation to have to play this player because you brought him in. And, and there's a low bar, too, with the quarterback unit for BYU. I mean, there is no hot shot, four-star, five-star quarterback waiting in the wings. It's kind of a new dynamic for BYU. Typically, there's always one guy that you say, that is the future. There's no one that you can absolutely confidently say he's the next man. I mean, Noah Lugo, a freshman, joins the program, but as he told me in October, he's working on developing as a passer, an elite athlete. I mean, he was a hurdler, track and field sensation down in Texas, great runner, but needs to evolve as a passer. He improved his senior year in high school down in Texas, but only a true freshman. Ryder Burton played an archaic high school offense, wing T, I formation. <laughs> it was old school stuff, run heavy, and it's still kind of a learning process. I, I, I've i said many times that I feel Ryder Burton, if you want to say who has the highest ceiling of the future, it's him because he reminds me so much of Zach Wilson. And I just think that Zach Wilson was brilliant in an Aaron Roderick offense. And Burton's kind of following the same John Beck plan where he's working with John Beck. Uh, but I think Gary Bohannon comes into a program at BYU where the opportunities were not as big as, say, Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis had UCLA and Notre Dame pursuing him last transfer portal cycle. So it wasn't like BYU was his only option. Bohannon had a few like you know lower options, but BYU was far and away the best. 
And so he wants a chance to repair his image and still get a chance to one day go to the NFL. And BYU desperately needed a quarterback. Now, you got to add probably another one, I think, too. And, you know, there's, you know, they had a Western Michigan quarterback, Trenton Bourget, who they recruited a lot. I wrote about him quite a bit on KSL Sports during the 2021 recruiting cycle. BYU originally had a commitment from Jackson Dart. And then they kind of, then Dart, Dart moved on once he transferred to Corner Canyon and he started getting all that hype from USC. Uh, they started recruiting Trenton Borgay. Borgay ends up, he didn't get a scholarship offer to BYU, ends up going to Western Michigan. He was on campus earlier this week on Wednesday down at BYU and kind of sent out a, a cryptic tweet on X <laughs> about a cougar and a, what, what's that little thing with where you turn it over? What, what I'm drawing the blank. Hourglass? The, yeah, hourglass. Thank you. Uh, the, the hourglass. Did he, you not play board games growing up, Mitch? I did. Uh, okay. You know, All it right. was it was more. I was more the the, the trouble. You know, push yep. that that little <laughs> dice down and like, like I got to get a six. I'm sitting on this the whole night because I I can't get my four pieces in anyway. Uh, but you know, they're going to still keep their options open. You have to. The quarterback play just wasn't good enough last year, right? And I think also too. I mean, so if everyone came back from next year, look, there's going to be attrition with this many names. Someone's going to go, but this is what it would be. It would be Gary Bohannon, Jake Retzlaff, Kate Finnegan, Nick Billups, Ryder Burton, Cole Hagan, former Gatorade Player of the Year in Utah out of Corner Canyon, Noah Lugo, Micah Fea, and then Ridgeline High School prospect coming back from a mission, Caden Cox. That would be our quarterbacks. Which is fine. I, I, I feel better about it now with Bohannon, even though – you know, I think we all would have preferred a bigger name out of the transfer portal. When you go in there, you're looking to get the best available option. That did not, pl- uh, you know, that did not come to fruition for BYU football program. But you still add a guy, and let's see what happens. I'm looking forward to a quarterback battle because I think there is some value in today's college football of making someone earn a job, and that doesn't often happen at the quarterback position. Think back to the last two seasons or the last two times in Kalani's tenure where a job has been gift wrapped. At quarterback, 2017-2023. What happened in both those years? 4-9 and nine and 5-7. and seven. You didn't go to a bowl. you can maybe throw in there, too, and that wasn't a great year either. That's true. Yeah, Zach Wilson was the decisive favorite there, too. And that was just a, you know, mediocre 7-6 and six year. And yep. and you thought, you know, when Jaron Hall's letting it rip at Utah State, you're like, oh, was this the right move all along? So, and Zach was coming back from his shoulder, too. So, I do think there's going to be – a, a lot of competition. I think that's a great thing for BYU. And but you know, I, I think fans are okay to be reserved about their excitement about Gary Bohannon because you see a long list of injuries, third school, uh, you know, four years. I mean, that's not this the type of transfer portal profile you want. The the quarterbacks that hit the highest levels of college football out of the portal. They're typically the underclassmen that just got buried on a depth chart their first or second Joe year Burrow. in a program. Quinn Joe Ewers. Burrow. Quinn Ewers, I think Michael Penix was at Indiana. He played yep. quite a bit. But, you know, Caleb Williams at Oklahoma was just kind of – and he wanted to go with Lincoln Riley. It's it's you Typically, there's not many third-school, three-year guys that are this, this sensation in their last year. They're at their third school for a reason. Yep. And, and I think that's where you kind of temper expectations and a bit. you hope here the reason is injury and not yeah. so much. But you things. love that Gary Bohannon – has he will add to the locker room. It's not going to be a guy that's going to come in with an ego. He's going to be a grounded individual. I think he's going to have a level head. He's going to go earn his respect in that locker room. There's something to be said about that. I think Jake Retzlaff has done a nice job as far as 
earning his rapport with players inside that locker room too. Let him go compete. I mean, it, it's not – this is – what I will say, though, is this is a far cry from the days of – Jim McMahon and Mark Wilson are competing for a starting job. Like Gary Bohan and Jake Retzlaff doesn't slap the same way as Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson competing. I mean, it, and that's and that's unfortunate because in this transfer portal cycle, you see some of these programs. You go UCF can land KJ Jefferson. What UCF? Hey, what's two, happening? Tulane here? grabs an Oregon backup. Yeah, I mean, look, if there's one position, I'm on board with the notion of you can't go to BYU solely for NIL. And BYU has NIL resources. Don't get it twisted. Like, they've got money. Not at the level of some other SEC programs or Big Ten or even in the Big 12. But if you're going to pay a premium for one position, to me, it is quarterback. And, uh, like, there was just a lot of options that I think were pretty good quarterbacks in this portal cycle. Not as maybe as deep as years past. But that's where you kind of get a little bit underwhelmed with the Bohannon addition, but I'm I'm curious to see what he can be. Like yeah. I'm I'm willing to give him a chance and see what he can become here at BYU. Yeah, no doubt. Take a break here on Cougar Sports Saturday, Mitch. Let's get your give us the history, give us the reaction to the latest commit out of the high school ranks, Satuwala. We'll break that down on the other side, and then a lot of BYU basketball coming your way. Huge game tonight against Cincinnati. They kick off their first conference game in the Big Twelve. We'll have Mark Pope. Joining the program in about 15 minutes from now. Stay with us. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday, live here from Broadcast House in Salt Lake City. Folks, we're watching Big 12 basketball. TCU in Kansas right now in action. I'm just, I got to tell you, you know, the fact that BYU hoops tonight, Cincinnati, 8 p.m. tip right here on KSL. It's a good day for BYU Sports to be back. Or not back, but to be in a league that matters in the national conversation in college basketball. You'll hear from Mark Pope coming up next here on the program. we got to get some more football talk, though. BYU football added a big-time commit, Matt. Four-star out of Banafu, Banafu, Banafu High School, Falatau Satuwala. A 6-3 safety, does he stay there? We'll have to see, you know, not a lot of NFL safeties at 6'3", but there are some that are that big and that impactful. Kyle Hamilton is a guy that got brought up on the NBC broadcast as maybe a player comp, which if he even gets close to Kyle Hamilton, (laughs) inject that into my (laughs) veins, baby. Give us the backstory on this recruitment, man. Saltawala is big time. I mean, this is a huge get for BYU. You're talking about a four-star recruit. Only the second high school prospect in this 2024 cycle. That's a four-star in BYU's class. Second highest rated prospect behind Reiner Swatson. You know, he visited, took an official visit to BYU this past summer back in June. And at the feeling at that time was, you know, you're getting this official visit, but you're probably this guy's going to probably end up at Utah. This is a commitment from Falatau Satuala that this earned the payday of Jay Hill. Cougar fans, you might have been unhappy with the product defensively from what you saw in year one with Jay Hill. That's fine. I think Jay Hill himself was very unhappy with what he saw put out there weekly in the Big 12 for BYU's defense. But this is why you hired him, was to win a battle. This was BYU won recruiting battles over UCLA, over Utah. Satuala had offers from Tennessee, from USC, pretty much the entire West Coast, the programs of significance out here in this part of the country 
they were pursuing this guy. Dual threat guy, Mr. Two-Way prospect on the KSL Sports Rewind team because of his impact offensively, defensively. And look, he was at a bountiful high program that low expectations going into his senior season. He single-handedly wheeled them to a championship game appearance. Look, it's high school. There's not much to take that, but I think that's always noteworthy, Matt, when you talk about a guy that can lead a you know underdog program to heights that they weren't expecting. I think that's always kind of significant about the type of impact you can have, and that's what he can be. I think you know eventually he's a linebacker for BYU, uh, and I think he's going to be a dang good one for, for the Cougars. He's just a great athlete, too, and his versatility. And, and I think that, you know, BYU, these are the battles you have to win. And I yeah. think it's noteworthy, too, you get him to commit at the All-American Bowl down in San Antonio. It used to be that U.S. Army game. It's right now on, on KSL 5 TV. But you got a network television audience putting that that stretch Y on, you know, network TV around the country. I mean, like – I love recruiting. When was the last time? I'm, I'm trying to think back. You know, I'm talking like guys that went on a network TV and ESPN and threw on a cap that was BYU. It's been a minute, man. I, like, I mean, the last time a, a real significant U.S. Army All-American player, I know it's the All-American game now, but like that was the era of Ross Apo, yes. Jake Heaps. Yes. You know, there's been a few like Skylar Southam right. was once a U.S. Army guy, uh, Riker Matthews. Anyway. Uh, but, you know, like to just do that on that stage, that's big time. And I think that's that's the sort of thing you want where you're getting talked about in January. BYU football got discussed uh, on a network television channel uh, in January. Like th- th- That's pretty cool when it's, there's still a couple days to the national championship. So it worked out for Satawala. He was consistent that he was not going to commit to a school until after his senior year, even after uh, signing day. So huge get for Jay Hill and his staff. You know, I'm curious to see what his timeline is to matriculate into BYU. Huge, huge player, though. Huge potential and upside. This is one that Cougar fans should be celebrating for sure. These are the recruiting battles that BYU has to win if they want to become a contender in the Big 12. Because you look at the safety room, assuming he goes there, and we'll have to see where he ends up because he's kind of in between, as you mentioned, Mitch, linebacker and safety. The 2024 safety room, you got Micah Harper coming back from injury. Preston Rex, Talon Alfrey, Chica, Ethan Slade, Tanner Wall, Raider DeMooney, Crew Wakely. This group, Ty Burke, uh, Peter Tuipelotu, Male Tanavasa. Look, I felt like that group overperformed considering the injuries and the challenges. Like, that was a pretty solid group. But there's not a lot of high stars there. I mean, Raider DeMooney may be the highest yeah, rated high, high school guy out of that group. Look, you got to develop everyone you got, and if you can find hidden gems and they can develop into something, that's fantastic. But you have to supplement that with high-end talent. And so to land the commitment of Satuwala is exactly what BOU needs more of, which is three-star, four, in his case, a four-star high-end high school talent that can come in, maybe play right away, and develop. And I, I think that's the one piece that BOU has been missing for quite some time, that they've got to reverse the trend. And look, this recruiting cycle, not bad. Like, you keep... been really good. Yeah. You keep Swanson, you get him, a couple four-stars or some high-end three-stars. That is a a trend in the right direction that they have to maintain. Winning these high school battles, especially in this particular case, an in-state battle, keeping a guy local rather than going out of state, big, big pickup. And I think it's also, you wonder... How much of an impact is it that 
BYU and Utah are on equal playing fields. Oh, it's I, it's you don't have to wonder anything. I I, I mean. I think it also helps that Jay Hill's on staff. Like, even if BYU was in the Big 12 with maybe the previous regime, I, I, I'm i not going to get into that. But, I mean, just I think there's there's, there's the hey, element you, of Jay Hill and the Big 12, and then you're yeah. also equal with Utah. BYU's when, got a lot to offer, when man. When stories come out where you're recruiting on It's a Small World in Disney in Disneyland, California, you know that you're putting in the work. And that's not to say that the previous staff wasn't putting in work, but I don't remember hearing stories like that. Kalani... Said it at signing day. Far too much were they settling for the low-hanging fruit. That was Kalani's words. They were just going for the guys that maybe had an offer sheet of Weber State, SUU, and BYU. Well, yeah, you're going to get those guys. You don't have to burn the midnight oil. Like, to get a guy like Falatel Satuolo, it's endless text. It's endless communication. It's it's a recruiting team sending the edits, sending the love. Like, it sounds crazy, you know, to, to have your whole life, livelihood, potentially resting on the decision of an 18-year-old. It really does. But that's what it is. <laughs> you have to be relentless nonstop to get that type of player that can go to a Tennessee, that can go to a Utah, that can go to a USC, and those programs are going to accept that commitment. You have to work around the clock. That's what Satuolo is. So it's, it's, it's beyond just simply throwing on the hat and saying, I'm committing to BYU. That is an, a, a commitment that says this defensive staff is going to work on yeah. the recruiting trail. And that's a promising sign when you get into like the guts of the Big 12 Conference to so entrench yourself into what this league can become. Taking a break, on the other side, speaking of getting into the thick of Big 12 play, Mark Pope. Tonight, the Big 12 opener, BYU and Cincinnati. Talk with the head man next right here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Good stuff from Mark Pope. The day is here, man. Big 12 basketball. We have been wanting this for so long. Quality opponents rolling into the Marriott Center for weeks at a time, and it starts tonight with Cincinnati. It's great stuff. And, you know, Cincinnati rolls in an 11-2 record. Number 39 in Ken Palm, you know, top 40 team in the net rankings. BYU, number three in the net, number 12 in the AP top 25 poll. These are the type of matchups that in the past would have been viewed as one of the biggest games of the year. And look, it's huge tonight. It's (laughs) historic. But in the grand scheme of what you're going to see at home the rest of the way, it might be on the back half of of (laughs) opponents. But, I mean, the stage is going to be amazing. And Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller discussed this week about what he's expecting in his first visit to Provo. I've heard the environment is out of this world. Had never been there, haven't experienced it, but everybody says it's one of the most underrated venues in college basketball. That's definitely true. However, this morning, something concerned me about the environment going forward. In fact, it's officially become a, a concern for me all year long. There was a promo released by uh, the BYU ticket office, so there's discounted tickets to the game. It's not a sellout. The ticket prices are absurd in the upper deck, Mitch. And I'm I'm legitimately concerned that we're not going to see a lot of sellouts because mm. of the price. You feel that way? You know, I didn't think of it that way, but you know, that is worrisome because what the price regularly, $60 for the upper deck. And the the promo right now is half off, yeah. right? So even you, 30. Yeah, 30 bucks. I I mean, I remember as a kid, getting into some of those upper bowl tickets. For five bucks. A dollar sometimes when they were one in 25. I mean, they, they, were, they were terrible. <laughs> it was like, get in here for a quarter. Please, come. There's only 3,000 fans here. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, it's game day. Get that thing sold out. Sell them for five bucks. What's so bad about that? 
It's the upper deck. Like, yeah. I, I get it. Lower bowl. Tickets have to go up. Sure. I get it. We're talking the top 10 roads of the upper deck. Make those cheap. You know, we did talk about this in non-conference play. One of the fears with the new, you know, ticketing structure in the Marriott Center is that you might get a little more corporate feel. I think it's going to be still be hostile, and, and fans are going to be rocking that are in that but building. But not Gonzaga tonight. level at this current pace. But, yeah, you, you do want a capacity filled to the brim. Students are still kind of trickling in, so that that's a component here, too. For sure, for sure. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think there will still be sellouts. I mean, there, there's so much demand. But tonight, you hopefully, hopefully they, they can just slash it even more and let fans get into that building. Yep. All right, got to take a break on the other side. The newest BYU quarterback, Trayson Borgay. He'll join the program next. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in. Hour number two off and running here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's a BYU basketball game day, but so much BYU football news to unpack. A lot of activity in the transfer portal, and BYU just got. Another quarterback transfer commit just moments ago. And we got to get out to the phone line and welcome him in to discuss his commitment to BYU. That's Western Michigan quarterback transfer, Trayson Borgay. Trayson, welcome on into Cougar Sports Saturday. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being on board here with me, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte, Trayson. First off, congrats on the commitment. Take us through just kind of a, a little bit of your journey to this moment of how you're now a BYU Cougar. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's definitely crazy. It feels surreal uh, to, you know, finally be a, a BYU Cougar. Uh, you know, coming out of high school, uh, I did hold an offer from BYU, from, from Coach A-Rod. Um, but things, you know, things, things tend to work out just the way they're supposed to work out um, at the right time. So uh, out of high school, I ended up not coming to BYU. I, I, I ended up at Western Michigan. Uh, I was able to see the field my last two years as a as a true freshman and a redshirt freshman and decided that, you know, I think it's time for me to explore what else is out there, you know, maybe potentially come back closer to home because I am originally from Tucson, Arizona. Um, and so I entered the transfer portal and received a, a couple texts and phone calls from from the from Coach A-Rod and the, the staff at BYU. And, you know, I finally made my, myself uh, back to BYU at, in Provo. Trayson, take us take us behind the scenes on, on the visit to BYU uh, and, and when you kind of felt like, okay, this is the place I want to be. Well, you know, in high school, when I took my visits, I, I absolutely loved everything about Provo and, and about BYU. Uh, there's just such a great respect for the community of BYU and the players and what they preach over there. And, you know, it's just not about being a, a good athlete, but a good student and even better person. You know, that's something that I felt that they truly cared about was, was the athlete's actual life rather than just their performances um and that's i'll tell you that's not everywhere you don't go everywhere and get that that same feeling and the same vibes from the coaching staff to the academic counselors to the to the training staff to everybody in the community um and uh, i actually went to the uh byu versus asu game uh when tyler argier had that huge fumble uh where he punched the ball out of the the asu linebacker um and that just the the reaction from the crowd and the way people responded to that 
to a little adversity. It was just really amazing to see uh, just the whole team rally behind moments like that. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, making some big plays um, at BYU and having the community and the team rally around me. So understanding that, you know, just it's a football school. It's, 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 not, or it's actually not only just a football school, but it's just a great school and community to be a part of. Trayson Borgay is our guest, the newest BYU football transfer portal commit to the Cougars. He just committed moments ago. He's on with us here on KSL News Radio. You brought up that uh, visit you had in 2021 to see BYU take on Arizona State. You have ties to Arizona State. Your brother, Trenton, is, is a quarterback at ASU. Uh, you know, did, did that play a role in you wanting to come to, to BYU as being in the Big 12 and having a chance to face your brother because – ASU's on the schedule in 2024. Yes, sir. I'd be lying if I said it didn't play a factor. Uh, I actually have two brothers at Arizona State playing football currently. Uh, Trenton, he's the oldest. He's a quarterback. And Coben, it's actually his birthday today. So this was a little birthday <laughs> present. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to be playing you this year. But uh, he's a receiver. So definitely, I mean, having the opportunity to, to play my brothers, I mean, this is literally what I grew up doing in the backyard, playing against my brothers and cousins and not only playing against them, but with them. So, this is an amazing opportunity, not only for me, but for them and for my family to kind of, you know, cheer us on together one last time. So, Trayson, when you entered the portal after two years at Western Michigan in the MAC, Kalamazoo, Michigan, you know, and BYU reaches out and you're communicating with them again, what was the messaging that Aaron Roderick kind of laid out for you as how they envision your role in this quarterback room that's, that seems it's going to have a competition this spring? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that he pitched was simply just, just opportunity and competition. I mean, you can go anywhere in the country and, you know, some coaches will, will tell you like, hey, you're going to be the guy the moment you step in here. I mean, Coach A-Rod, he, he didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't play it like that, which was exactly what I wanted to hear. I, I want to hear, you know, that I'm going to have the opportunity to compete, and that's really the only thing I need. I just want to go somewhere where, you know, the coaches, they're, they've coached NFL-caliber quarterbacks. And Coach A-Rod, he's known for that. He's known for producing NFL-caliber quarterbacks and a high-scoring offense, which is something that I want to lead. Um, so Coach A-Rod did an amazing job at just understanding that, hey, this, he's telling me, like, hey, I want you to understand this is going to be a, it's going to be a competitive group. I mean, we've got some guys who, who can really play here and, and can really perform. Um, and I, I told him, I said, all I need is an opportunity, Coach. And really, that, that's, what, that's what it came down to. And um, so excited to be a, a BYU Cougar playing for Coach A-Rod and uh, getting after it. What's – your style of play, maybe give BYU fans a little uh, glimpse into what type of quarterback you are. So I would say I kind of I kind of developed. Uh, if you if you guys are basketball fans or watch any basketball, um, you know how point guards just distribute the ball. They don't they're not always the flashiest. They don't always have to do the the windmill dunks or or anything crazy like that. But just a distributor of the ball, um, just get the ball into the playmakers' hands and let them let them go score the touchdowns. Um, I think that's that's how you can describe me as just as just a point guard. Uh, you know, think of like a, like a Jason Kidd or a Steve Nash um, of, of football. Someone who just can make plays um, when when things are going a little hectic and and, and can uh, make the plays off script and uh, can really lead a team. I think one of my biggest skills is bringing a group of men and and people together for one common goal. Um, and our common goal, you know, is a Big Twelve championship and playing for a college football playoff. You bring up Jason Kidd, Steve Nash. I, I take it then, you being an Arizona guy, you're a Phoenix Suns diehard. Then, <laughs> yes, sir. You can say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Trayson, with why, why leave Western Michigan? What what was the kind of the, the thought behind leaving the Broncos? 
Uh, I'd say uh, one of the biggest things was just coming a little bit closer to home, mm. uh, especially having the opportunity to play uh, in my home state uh, potentially once a year. Um, that was definitely a, a big a big selling point, uh, especially because I do have some brothers in the Big 12. I mean, things just it, it couldn't have been put together even better. So, um, I mean, I love my time at Western Michigan. I love the staff at Western Michigan. I really like what Coach what Coach Taylor is doing over there, and I. Uh, I really had a lot of respect for Coach Lester when he was there, uh, and, I, and I'm so blessed that uh, he was able to recruit me at a high school and bring me over there. But um, I just thought that there was time for me um, as a person, as a player, as just a man to, to move on and see what else is out there. And um, luckily things worked out, and very excited. So what's the timeline for, for when you enroll at BYU? I know school winter semester starting up next week. Are you going to be enrolled in classes next week? Yes, sir. So I will be there tomorrow, um, finishing everything up, finalizing everything, and then uh, I'll be beginning my classes starting Monday. How much of a role did the success that this coaching staff has had with guys like Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall and putting, you mentioned Tyler Algier, just having guys go into the league, what kind of role did that play on on the appeal of BYU? Oh, definitely. It definitely played a role. I think uh, a way you can uh, explain it better with is just the trust that I have with these coaches that, they're going to develop me, um, like I said, not only to be the best player, but the best man possible. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not very common that you can go to a school and, and get the best of both worlds, you know, academics, uh, you know, just, just the foundations of being a good guy, a good person, um, as well as, as, as the, the, the coaching of football. Um, Coach A-Rod, Coach Kehlani, everybody over there, um, they, they do an amazing job and uh, they definitely played a part in, in, in my decision. You know, Trace, and I want to go back. I remember, you know, in that uh, summer of 2021, you were at a BYU camp, and if I'm not mistaken, I think you were a quarterback MVP. What kind of drew you to, like, visiting BYU at the time? Like, what got BYU on your radar? Were you someone growing up that always kind of admired BYU from afar? What kind of just piqued your interest about kind of, you know, communicating and getting to know this program more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up, I've always had a lot of respect for BYU. I mean, I, my dad always called them QBU, and that's what I've grown up calling them. I mean, everybody knows that BYU produces great quarterbacks. I mean, that's just that's just common sense. Um, so growing up, I've, I had a ton of respect for BYU, and I mean, BYU was a national brand. Uh, you can't really say that about most schools about being known throughout the, the nation. I mean, BYU itself is a national brand. You can, I can go to Walmart in Tucson, Arizona, walking around, and I'll see a, a guy wearing a BYU hat or a BYU shirt or anywhere. I mean, BYU is well-known. And like I said, it's not only for football, but academics or basketball or, or anything, whatever it is. Um, and people know that BYU is a great school. Um, that's, like I said, common sense. So uh, I've always grown up with the respect of BYU. And, you know, I never would have thought that, you know, this would be an opportunity that presented itself for me. But I'm, I'm so blessed to have this opportunity. And I'm excited to take it. And when we discuss, you know, visiting the campus, uh, you know, especially with the football program, you, you were on campus earlier this week. Who was your host, and what was kind of the the messaging that 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 those individuals gave you? Because I, I know that Kalani thinks uh, it's always critical when the players in the program tell recruits like yourself or transfer portal prospects about what the the program's like. So, what did they say? So, I've actually uh, I've I've known Micah Harper for a long time. Um, we're both from from Arizona, and uh, we have some we have some uh, some mutual friends. And I've never really spoke to him before, but when I was out in Provo. Uh, I was able to speak to him, and he kind of just told me everything that I needed to know. 
Um, and really just, I mean, he, he sold it even better than he probably thought he did. But just understanding that, you know, BYU is just so welcoming of, of players from all over the nation, of every sort of ethnicity or religion, whatever it is, you know, BYU welcomes them with, with open arms and, and uh, they want the best for you. And they want, they want to, they want to treat you like, like you're their own. So um, it was, it was very, very welcoming. It was really good to hear from, from someone like Michael Harper, who, who was in a similar situation as me, you know, coming, coming from Arizona, you know, not having any, any ties to Utah or Provo itself, but I understand, you know, you're going to step in and BYU and Provo and Utah is going to welcome you as one of their own. Take us behind the scenes on uh, maybe a little deeper on the visit. Like, are they showing you the stadium, the locker room? What are they, what did BYU in particular do on your visit for you? So for me particularly, I've already, I've already visited BYU twice um, throughout my high school recruiting process, you could say. So this time really it was, I knew that I wanted to be there. Um, and it was, it was sort of just trying to finalizing everything, whether that was housing or uh, where I'm going to be most of the day or where, what do I do when I go eat, when I'm hungry. So more, more so just, just the, the day-to-day lifestyle type of stuff. I mean, I've, I've already seen the locker room. I've already seen the football field. I've already seen the equipment room, everything that, you know, the flashy stuff. But for me, I'm just, I'm a guy that's ready to work. I'm a guy that wants to, you know, lace up the cleats and just get to work immediately. So, you know, I don't, I don't care if we're playing, you know, outside of a, 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 a neighborhood park or if we're playing in tennis shoes or whatever it is. I don't need to see the new jerseys. I, all I know is I want to just go out there and compete and go play. Last thing for you, Trace, and what's life like in the, in the transfer portal? <laughs> life in the transfer portal. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely stressful. You could say that. Um, you know, just because just today you're getting 10 phone calls from coaches doesn't mean that tomorrow you're going to get even one phone call from a coach. It's, uh, it's very uh, – it, it moves around. And um, it's, it's unlike high school football where, you know, you get really two, two years of getting recruited. In the, in the transfer portal, you get a couple weeks, maybe a month of getting, of getting recruited. And the coaches, they do their best at, at building those relationships as fast as you can uh, within that time period. And um, – Something, and when the transfer portal, you're dealing with you're really dealing with grown men. You're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21, to all the way to really 24 years old men. So it's something different than high school, where it's you know a 17 year old, an 18 year old, whatever it is. But um, it definitely is uh, stressful. You you don't know uh, how it's going to work, and um, there's just so many there's so many variables that go into it. Um, I was definitely blessed enough to receive uh, playing time and and earned some respect as a starter in the MAC at Western Michigan. So that definitely helped out having some film. And Coach A-Rod has seen me throw in person. He's seen me throw in film, and now he's seen me throw in college. So he knows what I'm capable of. And he told me um, some things that he can do with my development, which, which you know, made me smile so much just because I know, like, I'm nowhere where I want to be yet. And I know that Coach A-Rod can take me there. So definitely just it, it's stressful, but I'm here. So I'm excited. He's Trayson Borgay, newest BYU football commit, going to be enrolling next week. Trayson, again, congrats on the commitment and and finding that landing spot. Sounds like that's where you wanted to be at BYU. So congrats on that and uh, looking forward to covering your time here at BYU and seeing you on that practice field in March when spring ball starts. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Trayson. That's Trayson Borgay, again, newest BYU football quarterback, part of BYU program now joining. He just committed about less than an hour ago. So as you heard that here on KSL News Radio, taking a break. We'll have more reaction to BYU football's quarterback room in 2024 next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. 
Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday here on KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. You just heard from Trayson Borgay, newest BYU football quarterback commit. He'll be officially signed. I'm sure BYU will make some sort of announcement on Monday when winter semester gets started. They've done that in the past when they had Chris Brooks, Houston Haymouli. They had this kind of big push announcing things the, the, the first day back. Winter conditioning will get going. Uh, but the, the quarterback unit is taking shape, Matt. You know, Trayson Borgay's got three years of eligibility, so it gives BYU an underclassman transfer. And then you also pair it up with Gary Bohannon, who's a one-and-done. He's on his last year, seventh-year quarterback in college football. Yes, seventh year. The rest of the college football world is doing things that we've known for so many years with BYU athletes. They're now learning of this concept that you can have a seven-year window in college football. (laughs) Think Um, about this. He came in the same time as Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson has gone on to be a high draft pick and is probably exiting the franchise that he started <laughs> with in the NFL before Bohannon is done in college. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, but I, I like the addition of Borgay. I, I think it just, again, Matt, it's kind of what we talked about, I think, after signing day with the defensive line back in December. You just want the options because you're bound to hit on one. Yep. If you only got like three or four uh, you know, you never know. And look, I don't know what the ceiling is for all these guys. I, I don't. But, you know, I, I like that a guy really wants to be at BYU. Gary Bohannon wanted to be at BYU. You know, and I, I think that both Bohannon and Borgay, they have a similar thread where they're probably like, I should have just went there in the first place. <laughs> because yeah. Bohannon was recruited in 2022 as well to BYU and Borgay is as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think that'll be, it'll just, I want to see the competition. Like, it, it is a, it's wide open. Completely wide open. I, Matt, and I, I like that. I can't think of many quarterback battles. I got to go back probably to, I'm talking like 2002, where it's just kind of a kind of hodgepodge grouping of guys. And there's really no stock where anyone, any portion of the fan base is invested in one guy. No. Like usually a fan base has. Like, they want this guy to... Conover, even. Right. Whereas, I think this grouping, every every fan, every media member is just like, we're all fascinated to see how this is going to play out because if you try to get a really a forecast or inside read on who it's going to be, uh, I think you're kidding yourself. I, I lean still to Bohannon because he's only got one year left, but why can't Borgay get a crack in there? I mean, Jake Retzlaff started four games for BYU, and he was an unknown recruit. and. Yep. Retzlaff's going to be in the mix. Like, I'm, I'm just fascinated to see how this all shakes out in spring. And you know what I like about this, too, is this is going to put a microscope in a good way on the offensive staff, too. In, in particular, Aaron Roderick. Can he get back to what he was with Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall and an offense that was top 25 and produced explosive plays and scored in the red zone? Or... Is this a situation where maybe the schedule was light and you had a lot of talent? And I think we're going to find out. Like, this is a type of year where it's going to require great coaching to identify, coach up, and get the most out of the guys on this offensive side of the football. There's there's talent. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of talent on the offensive side of the football. But this is not a situation where you're coming back with, Jaron Hall. Yep. Even though he was a first-time starter in 2021, the staff loved Jaron Hall. And we clearly saw glimpses prior to him being named the starter that he was a high-level quarterback. 
and they had Algier coming back, and Neil Pau, and they added the Nakua brothers, and Isaac. Like that, that group had a lot of talent, returning talent. This group, not as much, right? You got LJ Martin back, you got Chase Roberts back, you got some offensive line pieces there as well, as well, Connor Pay, but they need to be coached up. And if this staff can do that, then great, we got the right guys. If it's another year where there's no identity and you're not getting production, then maybe you've got to move in another direction. But this is the makings of a, of a team and a group that will identify what needs to happen. This is kind of a, a, a knee-jerk reaction here. I'm just throwing this out here. Who's the face of the offense in 2024? Because, And I ask that because I'm sincerely – Is he, though? I mean, like, I think Chase has got tons of ability – but I, I just look at this offense across the board. I'm just fascinated to see how it all plays out because, yeah. like, there's got to be so much competition everywhere you look. Like, spring ball is going to be awesome. Outstanding. Yeah. I want to see so much competition because I don't think you can say anyone is a set-in-stone starter. The only guy I would point to is maybe L.J. Martin. Yeah. Is, is probably RB1, and that's probably in part because – you don't really have any proven depth after him. And L.J. Martin is not completely proven. I think he's outstanding. I think he's going to be really good. But he's almost getting anointed because there's not really many options after him. You know, Hinkley, Rapati, Miles Davis. But after that, it's really not much. So, I'm just – Connor Pay too, comes back. But, I mean, is the center – No. Is the a big center, ball going to be the look, face of your program? Connor, I love Connor Pay. I think Connor Pay is fantastic. To me, he was one of the most important gets in the transfer yeah. portal in terms of just retaining him. He doesn't sure. go pro. He doesn't leave. You bring him back at the center position. I love Connor Pay. But, hey, you, and maybe now that I'm speaking it out loud, this is just off the cuff here, maybe you want him to be the face of the program because mm-hmm. that offensive line's good then it changes well, everything. Well, and that's going to be the key, too. I mean, we could talk about these quarterbacks nonstop, and we will throughout this offseason, but the offensive line has to be 180 different. Like, they got to completely make a complete shift. I mean, they were just bad last yep. year. They, they made improvements against Oklahoma State, but there, there's talent there. I just don't think there's much depth yet, and that's going to be an area of focus leading up to the February signing period and also in the post-spring window. But I think you got to add some transfer portal pieces, some JUCO guys before spring ball to add to that offensive line because I think that group is a bit, uh, you know, just it's a little thin. You know, because if you get an injury to Connor Pay or you get an injury to Waylon Lapuaho, then it's like you're How did you're, we you're get sweating. to that, by the way? Two years ago, it was we've got 10 offensive linemen and we don't know well, who to play. Well, now, now we're thin. I mean, now we, now we can't even well, get five it's, it's, guys. It's a lot of projection base. I mean, I think it's someone like a Trevin Osler could be really good. I think Peter Falonico could be outstanding. But they haven't done anything through the first two years. I'm not willing to bank on them in the Big 12. If it was independent football, sure. I'm willing to plug them in and say, you're going to have this chance to you know, play these P5s in September. But by November, when you're playing New Mexico State, you're great. Uh, this is different animal in the Big 12, especially with two road non-conference games. we got to take a timeout, though. Top five coming up next, and we'll continue to hit on BYU football and BYU basketball game day here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Sign up. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On 
Live, Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday. It has been a newsy day. Some football recruitments during the show. We got Big 12 hoops on TCU hanging around with Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. I just envision the sport of football. BYU football was just sitting in the corner today saying, I can't just let basketball have all the, the fun. I can't, I can't let basketball ever have its own oxygen. Because I was thinking today, I got just going to be, you know, we'll have Satuwala, you know, we'll have that talk. But, you know, that's not going to control the airspace. We'll have Gary Bohannon, but it's not going to control everything. And then more and football more. Football is taking over. It's pro- it's more a byproduct of <laughs> that college football is completely off the rails. There's no yeah. guidelines. There's no nothing. It's just the Wild West. It really is. It's And for content, it's beautiful. Yep. For people like us, you know, when we throw out way too early Big 12 polls, and that's been popping online, people debating, getting some emails about that. I, I love it. Like, yep. you know, there's something about football that just – 365 like and, and and that's one of the special things about BYU is just that it has a fan base that on, on January 6th people are kind of jacked about the idea of BYU football on a day where BYU basketball is going to have a historic night so uh so much to get to still and but right now though we got to get to our favorite part of the program the Cougar Sports Saturday Top 5, sponsored by Economics Partners. Mitch and Matt clash in a weekly battle of BYU sports knowledge. Here's the Top 5. We do this every week, except for sometimes during the season. <laughs> but uh, in the off season, we do it every single week. And what happens here, if you're new to the program, our producer, Nate Slack, he finds some sort of list. Could be factual, could be preferential. And then he puts together a, a top five list in order, one to five. And me and Mitch take turns guessing, and first to three wins that particular week. We have nothing in front of us. There's no phone of friend. There's no uh, Google search. It's all off the cuff. Our, our degenerate football and basketball ways where we grew up, diehard BOU fans, we're just reaching deep into our brain <laughs> to figure out these lists brought together by Nate Slack. Nate, what is on tap today? First, first, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. It's good to see you. Happy 2024. Baja Blast is flowing in all the stores. It's beautiful. Is Happy New Year allowed on January 6th? Is there a cutoff? I've always felt January 3rd is kind of like the cutoff for a Happy New Year. I feel like you need a full week into, we're still within that. I mean, I haven't seen him in 2024. That's fair. Happy New Year, Nate. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Happy New Year to you, Mitch. Happy New Year, Matt. Even though I've talked to you here in 2020. Anyways, what, what do we have on tap? So we've had a lot of football talk today. We're going to be going back to basketball, though, for this week's top five. Fair. And a lot of conversation recently about Ali Khalifa and his incredible assist-to-turnover ratio. Number one in Number the country. Number one in the country. He has a 14-to-1 ratio. And just for uh, comparison's sake, we are going to be going over the top five assist-to-turnover ratios for single seasons in BYU basketball history. Oh, my. Oh, boy. Okay. So oh, my. This one this is pretty crazy because on this list, uh, number one on the list, his assist-to-turnover ratio was 3.14 to 1. Wow. So, <laughs> Ali Khalifa is just blowing this out of the water. But that's going to be our list today is is the top five assist-to-turnover ratios. Is there like BYU a minimum number of uh, minutes played or anything? Or could someone who played in one game – have be in the top five. Yes, we do have a minimum. Okay. It's 100 assists in a okay. season. So it's <laughs> can't be having all... any 
James Anderson appearances or yeah. something. No, these these are all names you guys should know. I think there's going to be a couple that might trip you guys up, but uh, we're going to be starting out okay. with Mitch. All right. <laughs> this Let's, is an interesting top five. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Totally. Uh, because it feels like this is the first year where this stat has just been amplified because yep. it's historic. Yeah. You know, you know, it's it's so let me think about this one real quick. How about we go with I'll say Jackson Emery. Yeah, nice job. Jackson Emery is number four on this list. So in two thousand eight to two thousand nine, he averaged uh two two point seven eight turnover or er, assists to one turnover. He had a hundred assists and thirty six turnovers. He instantly popped in my head because he just was someone who just took care of the ball. Like he was always assignment sound, and then he evolved into a really a superstar. Like, uh, like he wasn't Jimmer, but it was, like, he was dang good. I mean, you talk about great tandems in BYU history. Jimmer and Jackson Emery was quite the tandem in the backcourt. He would have been celebrated as one of, you know, like the best BYU player of that uh, of those type of teams. Had you didn't have like this, the superstar power of. of I don't know if there's a player in the history of BU basketball that sacrificed more for the team, because yep. he was he played at Lone Peak High School when I was in high school at Pleasant Grove, mm-hmm. so I would see him frequently when oh, yeah. they would play. Dude was a phenomenal three Amazing. level scorer. Could get to the rim, hit the mid range, hit the three at BYU. He became like a three and D guy, but he was much more than that. Imagine him in today's era; he'd be like. Probably a portal bound guy. Not not saying he would. He, he'd love BYU, but someone like that that doesn't get the shine. Right. Well, I'm going to bounce. I'm totally. in the portal. He it's could have very easily been the best player on a BYU team, sure. but for the success of the team, reined it in and did the three and, and stuff. And now he's been celebrated all these years later. Yep. All right. I'm going to stick with Lone Peak High School since we're, since we're on the topic. TJ Haas. Mm. No TJ Haas. Not even close. All he right. felt like a guy that turned it over a little bit, a, a little bit. Like senior year, not as much, right? But it felt like before that was always the 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 knock that fans had on Tej was he turns it over, you know. And anyway, how about I'll go with another Haas though, Tyler Haas. Mm. As many assists, huh? Let's go. I'm going to exhaust all Lone Peak options here before I move on to the next high school. Eric Mika. All right, how about Elijah Bryant? That's a good name, but no, not on the list. All right, let's go Alex Barcelo. Oh, wow. I would have thought that. That was a good pull. Yeah. Mm, okay. I'll pull it. I'm going to say it. Matt Montague. Oh, no. Nice. He comes nice. through. Number five on the list, 2.65 assists to one turnover, 217 in uh, 2001, 2002, 82 turnovers. I knew sitting in those 3,000 or 3,000 <laughs> fan Marriott Center nights in December for a nine-win BYU team would pay off eventually for me, and it did. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Montague. Late 90s BYU basketball, it was a dark time. It was a building project, but there was very few going to that Marriott Center to watch BYU take on some – Cal State Fullerton or Pacific back then in the, in the non-conference play, but Matt Bonnegy was dishing dimes, baby. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Or oh, Where are we at? Is it back to me? Yeah, to stay alive. Uh, small pass heavy point guards, Terry Nashif. <laughs> Come on. Good pull, no, good pull. Holy cow. Where's, where's Coach Nashif these days? I mean, I, I know. Sales, got, right? Yeah, he sells. 
He was a mainstay for BYU, with BYU basketball. For I loved Terry yeah. Nashif back in the he's day. A good player. Yeah, he was he's a good player. How about he fits the mold of the point guards that uh, uh, Trayson Borgay was describing yes. earlier. Yeah, that's right. You, see, you know what? I'm going to go in that same breath. Okay, that that's kind of same type of guy, Terry Nashif. Let's go, Brock Reichner. <laughs> Dave Rose's son-in-law. <laughs> he got some. Bread. All right, all he right. Got some juice for a little bit. This guy was. He had a lot of assists, so I'm hoping the assist total outweighed the turnovers. Kyle Collinsworth. Oh, oh. I cannot buy a correct you know, answer Kate, here. There was when you say that, I think of that Kate, that BYU Iowa State game against George Niang. That instantly comes to mind, and I feel like didn't KC have a turnover? Late in that game, I think so. They didn't get a shot off because of their. It was and it was like, why does he always turn the ball over? <laughs> I, I, I'm kidding. Like, look, KC, just chalk it up to me having too much sugar today. Like, just. <laughs> I had, I'm not ripping you. You were all time great. I mean, an NBA guy for goodness' sake, but he got better over to- course time. I'm, I'm surprised. That, well, was he close at all, Nate? I'm I'm looking it up. I didn't. Okay, it's I, fine. Sure. It's fine. That's surprising. Um, okay. I, I will give you guys a hint, though, is there's only one more player in the 2000s. Okay. How about this name? Let's go with Nate Call. No! You're kidding me. The legendary Cougar Sports Saturday top five name. I was holding off. I was holding <laughs> oh. off. Nate Call, he always comes through. <laughs> Nate Call, number one in 1991 oh, and 1992. 3.14 to one. Yeah. Ratio. Nate Call is, is, gosh, I'm trying to think who they play in the NCAA tournament. Wasn't it Clemson with Marty Haas, I think? I can't remember. Is Marty Haas um, on this list? Yeah. Uh, no, he's not. Who's so Marty, who, who Marty else? Marty Haas. Uh, let's see. We have number two is Randy Reed. Oh yeah. Randy and then number three is L.J. Rose. I knew you guys were not oh, going to get that one. L.J. Rose. Rose. Oh, yeah. the first wow. grad transfer in yeah. BYU basketball history. That was a big deal. Yeah, when L.J. Rose came, he was coming out of Houston, and Dave Rose had the connection from those Houston ties. Man, L.J. Rose. I for some reason that just is a name that I forget. It's kind of that weird. Stretch where BYU basketball was they had the highs of highs with that NCAA tournament run. Then they had the lows of these NIT teams. Wasn't he on an NIT team? Yeah, 2016 and 2017. Yeah. I, I have the full list here now. So yeah, you guys ahead. mentioned Marty Haas. He's Marty Haas is number 13 on this list. Okay. TJ we'll Haas. Six through ten. Six through ten. We have Matt Montague. Um, so he he was number six, but because Thank you. Marty Perry was number five, he only had 91 assists. Oh, I did he, not he got him. Okay, so great. he got he got booted. So we have Scott Sinek, nope. Kevin Santiago, Marty Perry, Barb Kapener, Marty Perry, Ben Murdoch, Marty Haas. Oh, Ben Murdoch. Ben Murdoch was number 12. <laughs> uh, TJ Haas, 15 and 16. 17 is Kyle Collinsworth. 18 is Scott Runia. 19, yeah, TJ Haas. 20, Matt Carlino. Is there anything better in life as dudes just saying random athlete names and just <laughs> chopping it up? And just saying, yeah, Scott Runia. No, what about Timo Saralainen? Was he on there at all? Nope. Okay. No, no. no. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Top five sponsored by Economic Partners. Go to econpartners.com. Always enjoy that segment. I'm back on track. Dang it. You got the one week. I'm back on top this week. Uh, We've got to get out of this. Hoops. (laughs) Old hoops is killing me. Nate Gall, Matt Montague. Look, again, sitting in that Marriott Center when it was just tan seats. (laughs) Not many 
I mean, there was just that that lull after Reed when he got let go, and it was just no one wanted to show up. I, hey, I was holding it down. While for we're everyone. talking Marriott Center, we since we got Nate here, Nate's a season ticket holder. Yeah. What do you make of the ticket prices situation? Are you concerned like I am that we might not be seeing many sellouts because it's, people are gonna people are gonna be priced out? You, all right, let's take a break and then let's revisit this on the other side. Stay here, Nate. We'll be back after this. Big 12 hoops. TCU in Kansas has been a fun game. TCU in position to potentially upset the Jayhawks on the road. BYU hoops will get things started in Big 12 play tonight, 8 p.m. You can listen to it right here on KSL News Radio if you're not willing to fork out that $60 <laughs> upper deck ticket price. Am I overreacting here, guys? Nate, I want to get your thoughts. I just, I, I can't get over the thoughts because earlier we had a clip from Wes Miller. Let's play it again here. This is Cincinnati's coach, Wes Miller, talking about the Marriott Center and what he's expecting in his first trip. I've heard the environment is out of this world. Had never been there, haven't experienced it, but everybody says it's one of the most underrated venues in college basketball. He's not wrong when we're talking San Diego State, the Jimmer year, Gonzaga when they're top five, but... Are they going to be able to reach that peak? I'm just yeah. – I was – you think so? I don't I think, think so. so. I think I think we are ticket priced out. The student section will always generate the the, the hype, the, the energy. That, you think? That, BYU student section, I got to give them some props. I, I know that they were a poor showing for that football senior day against Oklahoma, and I thought that was disappointing. Like, it's OU. Come on. Like, show up. I know it's 10 a.m., but come on, show up. Basketball games, The Rock shows up like they'll always bring the bring the noise in my opinion but if you got a spotty upper deck is it going to be what west miller just described like this raucous wild Marriott center environment or is it just going to be loud because there's a lot of people yeah. it's a good question i mean i, Cause I we've been to some raucous games you think about that gonzaga game before the pandemic that was that was peak Marriott center it was right up there with the san diego state jimmer game Marriott center's got more than 50 years of history I'd put that night up against any other night in the history of that building. And look, 100%. there's been, you know, BYU LaSalle was a big game once upon a time. BYU Pitt, there's been some great BYU Utah games, but BYU Gonzaga in 2020, that was elite and that was historic. But, you know, I, I feel like that'll happen again. I, I just, I, I honestly, I wasn't aware of these, these um, upper bowl prices. But yeah, when I hear $60, I go, man, like, that just seems. Not the BYU way, and totally. but I think it's also a byproduct. And Nate, you could probably speak to this more because because you have season tickets of you know what the the Big Twelve expects out of its member institutions that they're running well, that's businesses. Bullcrap, then. They want more entertainment. They want more money pumped into these programs. Go ahead, Nate. Take the floor here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's frustrating. I mean, just looking at our season tickets. So our season tickets they cost one hundred fifty dollars each. And tickets, single tickets in the same exact section are going for 60 bucks each. So hmm. if you go to two and a half games, you're already making up your cost for the season tickets. Wow. I didn't realize that. But it's it's kind of crazy. And, I mean, 
Another thing that's been bugging me, it's not necessarily with ticket prices, but the restrictions on the rock, not letting them camp out, I feel like that's also yeah, going to take good point. put an impact on, on the environment. Just because when you're – I, I camped one. out for that Gonzaga game before the COVID, and I camped out for two nights. And just there's something about sitting out. We were interviewing in the cold. students camped out. Yeah. You, you were, were going down there me. and, and yes. interviewing yeah, Nate. Yes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I was there, and it, there's something about waiting out in the cold for two or three days, and just like the anticipation is building up, and then you finally get into the stadium. And uh, I think not having that, there's going to be some negative impacts. That's that's a good pull because that did take away a little bit. Last year, with that BYU Gonzaga game, when the one that Strother hits that you know three and takes down BYU, but you know, hope hopefully the the game day atmosphere. I, I just kind of assume that it will still be juiced up. I mean, we saw eighteen plus show up for that Wyoming game, but last it wasn't week. it wasn't raucous. Though. Well, that was Wyoming. It was a blowout. I think tonight's going to be. I mean, even when they went on that eighteen zero run, though, it wasn't like okay, people are standing. I think tonight's going to be pretty hyped. I. I hope you're right. I, re- I really do. I, I am think Cougar fans are energized. Are we getting the band back tonight? I don't question. think until next home game because I, I think they're waiting until the school's back. Yeah. The band plays a big role <laughs> it, too yeah, it does. on but, the hype. But I, I just I think Cougar fans are going to be pretty ener- energetic. It's going to be electric in there. I, I don't deny that one bit. I think BOU fans are more invested and dedicated than ever before. I think a lot of BOU fans like myself look at those prices and say, not going to do it. Yeah. I'll just watch it at home. When the desire is there by Cougar Nation to fill the seats, but they're – guys, we're still talking about college basketball. This is this is the NBA, all right? This might be the Big 12. I get it. And it's great basketball. It's, it's the still, NBA of college. It's still college basketball. You should be able to get into a college basketball game when an unranked opponent is coming to town – for a reasonable price in the nosebleeds. That's all I'm saying. And that's not where we're at. And I think it will have an impact on what the crowd's like. Is it going to be great? Yeah, I think it'll still be great. But it's not going to be legendary. It's not going to be something that opposing coaches uh, have nightmares about. I wish there'd be more transparency, but I think this has been more of a push by the Big 12. Well, that's lame. BYU's kind of doing what they got to do, and they're – That's bull crap. I think that's messed up. For the upper – lower bull, do what you want to do. Upper Bowl, come on. Yeah, Taking a break, hour number three, we'll get to more BYU basketball talk. You'll hear from college basketball's Nikola Jokic. <laughs> oh, no. Ali You'll Khalifa. be hearing from college basketball's Egyptian magician. <laughs> Ali Khalifa next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. Hour number three. Uh, quick check-in. Might have an upset already in the Big 12. Uh, TCU, 77. Kansas, 75. 207 left. Second half. Welcome to the Big 12. We don't take a night off. Big 12 basketball. Love it. Uh, and the man that's going to help BYU usher in the Big 12 era tonight, Ali Khalifa, a.k.a. the Egyptian magician, but also... 
a guy that's drawn comparisons to Nikola Jokic. Here's my conversation with Ali Khalifa on those comparisons to Nikola. Do you embrace all the comparisons that social media and the basketball world are giving you now as college basketball's Nikola Jokic? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of fun just to be compared one of the greatest of all time, uh, in my opinion. But, yeah, it's uh, obviously a big responsibility, I feel like. I don't want to really get compared to, to a guy like him, but um, it feels cool that people see. I mean, he's my idol, and people see that how I pass is comparing to him, obviously. But, yeah, I've been kind of embracing it a little bit. feels like it's a big responsibility, like I said, but it's just been fun. So you say that he's your idol. When did you start really kind of watching Jokic and really just kind of admiring his game from afar? Probably my senior year of high school back in Australia and um, when COVID hit and he came back uh, so in shape and stuff like this when I was stuck, when I was in Charlotte, obviously. Just kind of started watching him more, watching film of him. And I was like, yeah, I play kind of the same, not really athletic and I want to pass the ball and make my teammates better and start watching more and more of him. And I really like his personality off the court as well. And that's why it came feel like I want to be like him one day and people right now comparing comparing both of us that didn't happen last year or two years ago whatever and I feel like I'm heading towards this goal. So. Well deserved uh, comparison so far this year 14 to 1 assist to turnover ratio how much grief or, or slack did teammates give you when you got that one turnover last week against Wyoming? It gave me a lot of grief but whenever I subbed out uh, one of the GAs came to me he was like Ali can you stop turning the ball over and I started <laughs> laughing and I'm like like, I don't think you'll see any person that goes 8-1 eight, eight and one in a game and his turnover issue goes down. So um, it was kind of, I was so bummed about it, obviously, in the middle of the game because it was just last three minutes and it wasn't really, I could have just kept the ball and gave it to Dallin. But, it, I mean, I don't really look at this stuff. It's been, it's been really fun. Where do you credit the, the knowledge or, or just the, the skill of, of passing? Where, where did you pick that up? Like, where do you credit that, that ability? Was it just kind of naturally something in you when you started playing ball? I feel like whenever I moved to Australia in my high school, uh, we had a lot of great players in the team, so each person wanted to get a role basically on the team because we had a lot of great scorers, we had a lot of good people, athletic people getting rebounds, and I feel like I developed this habit of passing the ball a lot, and I felt like I was like taller than everybody, so I had this a little vision, so I had to work on it a lot during my high school days. Um, even sometimes growing up in Egypt, I just wanted I always loved when I saw my teammates scoring and happy. And I feel like if I passed them the ball and saw them scoring, that we both are happy, basically. And it kind of came like this. And now it's like I really – but I feel like growing up, people don't really look at passing. Everybody want to score, want to score. And I feel like um, now I understand the game more. And I feel like passing is a very important aspect. For me, it's the most important aspect of the game, um, to bring a team together and to be able to pass the ball and see your teammates be happy and get together. So I feel like – during this high school area era, when I feel like I felt like um, I'm good at this, and I feel like I can develop this skill for myself, and I feel like I did a great job doing this in high school in Charlotte, and now here. Do you get that same thrill here at BYU as, as you did when you were in Egypt of passing the rock? Yeah, I feel like um, Trevin, especially, he always uh, he always tells me how happy he is when he cuts because he never cut. I feel like in his career here at BYU, and. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm just, just having fun with it. Even the, when you see me passing the ball and getting an assist, you see me smiling. Even sometimes when they miss the ball, I start smiling as well. Um, it just feels it feels great. I just love passing the ball, and I love seeing my teammates getting better. And I love seeing them score, and obviously I love scoring as well, so they pass me the ball as well. I give them a lot of credit for that, but yeah. You bring up Trevin, I instantly think of he's, he feels like he's kind of the – 
the king of nicknames around this program. What's what's the nickname you have around this group? I know publicly we're saying we're leaning in, I guess, on an Egyptian magician, but uh, does the team have a nickname for you? Uh, not, not really. I feel like they just be calling Ali. Um, sometimes they call him magician or uh, somebody. Some I think the other day in practice called me Magic. He's like Ali Magic, whatever. But um, yeah, they just call my name. They haven't really. Um, Give me any nicknames. I'm surprised because Trevin, Trevin, been getting a lot of my passes. Uh, I will get on him on that. I feel like he should give me a nickname. But I mean, he makes a shot every time I pass it to him, so I'm grateful for that as well. How uh, important has the early season success for you individually been in, in the kind of enhancing your experience here at BYU? I feel like it's been it been great. Obviously, like at the start of the year, I was a little a little worried. Um, that sounds a little selfish, <laughs> but I was—I didn't know how I would fit in. I haven't practiced all summer. My knee still bug my knee was bugging me at the start. I mean, it's still bugging me, but the start of the year was way worse, and I was really worried. I'm like, if I'm gonna fit in, or this fast pace of play, and even people was questioning that. And I feel like the need of me, whenever Fus went down, that's when it brought my confidence, like 100%. It's like I felt like I was just playing like back home with my friends, and. Um, it just changed the whole experience. Now I feel like I'm part of this group. I'm doing a great thing, and for this group, they really need me, and I really need them. And it changed the experience like 180 degrees. Just to be able to know that I'm needed somewhere, and that I'm really the offense really changes whenever I'm in the game. And obviously, we need each person on this team. That's the beauty about this game, and that's the best thing about this team. That's we're really deep. We have 12 guys that can start anywhere else in the country, basically, in my opinion. And yeah, it just, it just feels great, and I give a lot of credit for my teammates and the coaching staff for trusting me and believing in me, and that made me feel needed more, even that they trust me and they want me to be one of the leaders and stuff like that. So it's really cool. It changed my experience, obviously, and now I'm just having fun with it. So. You guys are in a position to really achieve anything that this sport has to offer now after the strong non-conference start. How, I'm curious, how, how big of a role did BYU being affiliated now with the Big 12 play in you coming here out of the portal? I feel like it's huge, obviously. Um, first thing Coach Robinson said when he recruited me, we are joining the Big 12 this year. And I feel like it's huge. Like It's the biggest thing that happened for BYU Athletics in a while. And um, yeah, it helped a lot with my recruiting process. I want to play at the highest level. I think Big 12 is the best conference in the, in the America right now. And I feel like if, I don't know if BYU was in the, their conference previous, I, I'm not sure if I would have came here. Obviously, the coaching staff and the playing style plays a big role of it as well. But I feel like the Big 12 was, was a big emphasis why I came here. First game in the Big 12s against Cincinnati, and you got some family ties there. Who, who's your sister pulling for uh, in this one? Is it is it her alma mater or, or, or for you in, at BYU? I hope it's me. We haven't really <laughs> talked about it as much. It's a very sensitive topic. But um, I feel like I hope it's, it's going to be me. Um, yeah, it's a really, really personal game for me. Obviously, uh, Cincinnati recruited me out of high school, but they never offered me. So um, really, really looking forward to play Cincinnati on Saturday. Tell, tell me a little bit about Nesma, her, her career as a, as a player. Yeah, she she played in Egypt for a couple of years. Then she went to a JUCO in Tallahassee, Tallahassee Community College. Um, played a national team a lot and then went to Tallahassee Community College because her English and her grades weren't great. Then she killed it over there, and she got recruited after the first year, which is very surprising by Cincinnati. Um, it was a great opportunity for her, and she went and played there for four years or three years. 
she got injured and sick from COVID, and it's a lot of she had a lot of struggles over there. But overall, she she loved it in Cincinnati. She loved her teammates, and um, yeah. And now she's back home. She played professionally for six months, and now she's into the coaching career. So last thing for y'all, Lee. Uh, top two teams rebounding the ball in the country in this matchup. Just your expectations on the glass, the battle that's going to be there. Yeah, I, I was just talking to uh, one of our assistant coaches. I said, I think this game is going to come down to who are we going to rebound the ball. It's going to be a rebounding battle. Whoever is going to win this rebounding battle is going to win the game. Um, but yeah, I think we played already the best rebounding team in the country with San Diego State. And having Foos back is going to help a lot too because he's very physical in blocking outs and, and the offensive glass. Um, I feel like we're up to this. They obviously have a lot of seven-footers, so we have to be aware of that. They have a lot of athletic guys, and I feel like that's what we're going to face in the Big 12. It's just a lot of a lot of length and athletic guys, but I feel like we got heart. I feel like rebounding and defense is all about heart, and I think like we're the best team at that in the country right now. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So I think we're gonna we're gonna win this rebounding battle. Best of luck, Ali. It's been a pleasure watching you so far. Look forward to this uh, grind in the Big 12. So best of luck. Yeah, thank you. We'll dive a little deeper on this BOU-Cincinnati matchup on the other side with the three-pointer, getting you ready for the first Big 12 game at the Marriott Center. We'll do that next here on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by kslsports.com. Welcome back in, man. Big 12 basketball is already off to an amazing start. Kansas squeaks by TCU. Hunter Dickinson, game winner with about three seconds left. A layup, 83-81. to The Jayhawks survive at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, taking down TCU. The Horned Frogs defeated Kansas last year in Lawrence. They were going for back-to-back wins in Fog Allen, but they could not get it done. It's just staying life, though, in the Big 12. I mean, this is what it is. Like Kansas is a juggernaut brand, not a juggernaut team this year. It's still going to be close, 50-50 ball games every single night. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it starts tonight for BYU in the Marriott Center. They host Cincinnati, both teams' double-digit wins. BYU ranked 12th in the country. Let's get to the three-pointer, Mitch. And and here's – it's we love this segment during the season. It's fun to do a deep dive, so what we do is we'll give you a key stat, a player to watch for both sides of the ball – that sounds like a football thing. I meant to say uh, both teams on the court. and then, both, both ends of the floor. Yeah, yeah, both ends of the floor. There you go. And then a bold prediction as well. I'll start things off with my key stat. BYU is first in the country in several metrics, bench points being one of those. It's kind of this, – this particular stat has flown under the radar. The number is 13.8. What does that represent? That is the rebound margin for BYU basketball. They are number one in the country, and thus number one in the Big 12 in rebounding margin. Well, guess who comes in at number second? That's Cincinnati. So the battle of the boards is going to be huge in tonight's battle between the Bearcats and the Cougars. Is is BYU a good rebounding team, or have they feasted on inferior competition? I think we're going to get a first glimpse into that tonight at the Marriott Center. That's a great point because it, it feels like, and you heard it just moments ago from Ali Khalifa, he told the assistant coaches and felt like they came away feeling like this is going to be a game defined by who wins the glass. And so that that's a great pull because Cincinnati, unlike BYU, they got legit seven-footers. Aziz Bandango, I know he's dealing with the back tightness, and he's a game-time decision tonight, former UVU stud. 
if he goes, that right there is almost good for eight boards for Cincinnati. Yep. So, uh, you know, you got to find a way to make that up. But also, Fusini Triori potentially comes back. We'll get on him a little bit later. I- I'm just going to go with the eff- effective field goal percentage. BYU's just been outstanding shooting the ball. 58.5% effective field goal percentage. That's kind of like the advanced analytic. I mean, when you talk about basketball, that's kind of the percentage you turn to nowadays. And BYU's just been so efficient. And that's why the advanced metrics love BYU basketball heading into Big 12 play. Uh, ESPN's Basketball Power Index gives BYU the second best odds to win this league. It's not because they're saying that BYU's individual talent is better NBA pros than Kansas or Baylor. No, they're saying that just the manner that they're destroying teams. And I, a large part of it is how they're shooting the ball. That effective field goal rate's been outstanding. All right, players to watch. I'll start things off, Mitch. For uh, Let's start with Cincinnati. For me, it is Aziz Bandago. Um, last year, I had the pleasure and opportunity to do some play-by-play games for Utah Valley. When Aziz Bandago was there with Mark Madsen's team, Aziz is a freaky athlete. Yeah. He's really tall. He's an outstanding shot blocker. He's not a great rebounder. So mm. th- th- there is the one thing there is being a seven-footer in the whack, you would have expected him to be a walking really? double-double. Wasn't quite to that level. He is a capable rebounder, but where he was dominant was as a shot blocker and a low-post scorer, especially on alley-oops, uh, kind of a high pick-and-roll rim run. So you got to beware of him if – he is healthy enough to be an impactful player. So Aziz Bandego, look, he's had success in the Marriott Center before with Utah Valley. So keep an eye on him if he's uh, getting back to full strength. For me on Cincinnati, Victor Lockin, uh, six foot eleven, big. Uh, he can you know extend the range and shoot from three. He's someone that's a, a returning letterman for Cincinnati. This is kind of a re- retooled roster, like so many teams in college basketball. But Lockin's been kind of a mainstay of the West Miller era. For BYU, I'm going not Noah Waterman to continue the theme of big guys in the glass. Look, we know he can shoot the ball. This is the type of game where you've got to get dirty and crash the glass. The one time that Noah Waterman has played a really tall team, he did, was not effective. He, he the Noah Waterman we've seen this year was a no-show in the loss against Utah. That can't happen tonight for Noah Waterman. He has to be impactful besides hitting threes, and that's playing good defense, staying out of foul trouble, and hitting the glass. Am I off base thinking that this guy for BYU, it's been a minute since he had a big game, Dallin Hall. Uh, Dallin Hall, to me, I'm keeping my eye on him. And, look, there's so many players that can – that factor into BYU success. You know, nine different guys on this team have had at least one game scoring 20 or more points of a career high. I mean, BYU's got a lot of options. They truly do. Uh, but I just feel like Dallin Hall is one of those special players in this program, and he's got to be big. And, and big games where it's a must win. And when you're on a home floor in the Big 12, you got to protect that thing with everything you got. So these are always must wins on the home floor. Uh, Dallin Hall, I want to see him have a big game uh, because I just feel like some of the last few games, it's you know it can't been kind of a an underrated storyline because the team's just blowing everyone out. But I haven't been kind of blown away by Dallin's play. I want to see him really level up for the Big Twelve. I remember back at Kansas City uh, Big Twelve Media Day, like this this was such a exciting thing for him. And I, I feel like you know he, it's so good that BYU got to the Big Twelve because you wonder in this portal era. 
would he have said, you know, maybe I I don't want to be in the WCC. I want to play at the highest levels. It, being in the Big 12 gives him that, and, and I want to see this guy take off and thrive. Home, You know, home-based guy out of Fremont High School, what a stage and an opportunity for him to really shine. Because I, I just feel like BYU can be – a second weekend NCAA tournament team if Dallin Hall every single night is just one of the best guards in this league. And that's a that's a high bar. But, I mean, I just think Dallin Hall's got to be special. Let's be a tone setter tonight against Cincinnati. I love that poll because he's the guy when things get tight, I want yeah. to have the ball, but he's got to do it because we've only seen it once this year, and it was a fail at Utah with the turnover, yeah. right? But last year he had moments of brilliance in late-game situations, winning games, getting to the rim – I like that poll because ideally you'd like your point guard to be the one that you're turning the ball over to in a tight situation. He's got to kind of get back to that to where we feel confident that he can deliver. Bold predictions now. Mitch, what's your bold prediction tonight? I'm going to say BYU wins by double digits. I think that's a bold prediction. That is a very bold prediction. I'll give you my exact score prediction, what that will be in the next segment, but they win by double figures. I'm that saying is they, a they, bold prediction. They and I think it'll have a lot of people buzzing. Uh, the the score margin I have BYU winning by. I'll go a double digit bold prediction as well. I think BYU makes 14 three point nice. shots tonight, which will be that's a, about one extra bucket above their average right now. They're a tick below 13 made threes per game. Look, if BYU is going to have success in the Big 12, and if they're going to go to the tournament and make noise. It comes down to consistent three-point shooting. Up to this point, they have been fairly consistent. Their only black eye was not shooting the ball well at the Huntsman Center. And this coaching staff is, you know, telling this team, you shoot at a minimum 30 attempts per game. We don't care what the opponent is, who it is, you're jacking up 30 attempts. And when you get that sort of volume and these guys and their friendly confines of the Marriott Center – uh, that would be a, a nice start in Big 12 play because this Cincinnati team, when they get in, in true road games, they've struggled. You know, their their only true road game this year, uh, well, outside of the state of Ohio, was against Howard, and they went to overtime, and then they went to Crosstown against Xavier, lost that one against an average Xavier team, and then they had another game on a neutral floor in Cincinnati against Dayton, and they lost. So this is the, the, the first Big true road game test for Cincinnati, but they've been bad away from Fifth Third Arena uh, at home, and that's been kind of the theme for a lot of teams in the Big 12 where they just haven't had much success away from their home gym, and uh, I'm curious to see how much of a lift that gives BYU in a game where they're definitely the favorite because when you're viewed as a top-five team by advanced metrics, this is a game you take care of business and get it done. No doubt about it. I'm looking forward to this one because we're going to have a lot to discuss on Monday night when we kick off Cougar Nation. Took a little holiday break for Cougar Nation, but it's coming back Monday, 6 to 7 p.m. We're taking your calls, Cougar Nation, and I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to discuss because we're. Gonna, I think we're going to know a lot more about this BYU basketball team and their potential in the Big 12 Conference after tonight. Let's take a break, Mitch. On the other side, uh, we had Coach Pope on earlier. If you missed that interview, the head man for BOU basketball, Mark Pope, he'll join us next to get ready for the home opener in the Big 12 Conference. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! 
BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in BYU in Cincinnati tonight, 8 p.m. You can hear it right here on KSL News Radio. And to get you ready and primed for the first Big 12 basketball game in the Marriott Center is the head ball coach, Mark Pope. We caught up with him earlier in the week. Here's our conversation with head coach, Mark Pope. Was your team tested enough in non-conference, you feel, coming out of this? Um, yeah, I think I think we kind of got out of what non-conference we wanted, um, it, which is, um, you know, we wanted to kind of have a chance to learn ourselves, to like grow into an identity, um, to play some some tough games, um, and and I'm I'm really really pleased with where our guys are right now. Um, you know, it's, there's there's no way to simulate the Big Twelve. Uh, conference season in the non-conference and why would you want to anyway right um and so um i i I, you know we 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 did some pretty in-depth studies on um uh team in the big 12 you know over the last five years their non-conference scheduling approach how they did it uh what they were looking for where they were had a billion conversations and and um i like where we are um you know i think we're as prepared as we can be uh, to walk into the Big 12 without uh, being in the Big 12. And so um, we're excited to get going. Your team does so many things well. Uh, bench points is great. You're defending the three-point line. You're shooting a lot of threes, making a lot of threes. Your assist-to-turnover ratio is great. What area of the game are you most happy with up to this point of the season? Well, statistically, I, I, you know, I love where we've been. It's just turnover. And, um, and – I, I love it, um, you know, with our schedule and and regardless of our schedule also. Um, there's been so many games where the game can get loose at some moments um, just because of the tenor of the game and our guys have kind of stayed dialed in. I'm really proud of that. It just is a – it's a it's, it's, it's become a real priority for us. We're going to be challenged in a new way as we move into league play in terms of assist turnover ratio. But, but that's been – you know, it was a place, an area where we really struggled last year, uh, mostly a sign of our youth, right? Um, and so it's it's a place where we've become way more proficient, and it's it's been a, a major key to the success that we've had so far. And I'd lo- I'd love to, um, I'd love to really really keep honoring uh, our attention to those numbers. Mark Pope's our guest here on KSL News Radio. Mark, you. Do you feel like you you noted last year this was going to be a long game? Do you feel like you're ahead of schedule in the long game of your kind of grand vision of what this program can be in this Big Twelve? Um, I, I don't know if we're ahead of schedule. You know, it's um, I think as you're trying to grow something, uh, you know, growth is usually in fits and starts, and so I think as you're trying to grow something. Um, Sometimes you, you, it's hard to predict exactly when you're going to make little jumps and how things are going to work, um, and you're just kind of staying focused on the end goal, right? The the of where you're trying to get, and so um, I think we're really confident that we're going to get there. We'll see how long it takes us. I think we're really confident with some of the ingredients along the way. Like we know we're going to be punched in the face. That's the nature of the Big Twelve. We know there was going to be moments as we go through this conference season where it's like. 
you know, things feel like a disaster and they're not working. That's part of the nature of being in the most competitive league and in, in probably all of college sports. Um, and so we, we kind of know some of the things that are baked and we know we're going to have some big wins and some really great successes. Um, it's the, the, what we don't know is kind of the timing of it, right, of, of how, how long this growth is going to take. I do like the fact that we have some years built in here to keep growing. Um, but I love where our guys are. And most, you know, we talk about the stats. The thing that I like most about our guys right now is I think our guys have a, have a solid feel for who we're trying to beat. I know I keep saying that we can break down the specifics, specifics of what that means, but that's really important um, because when you get punched in the face, you need, you need to know like how to, how to get back up and where's your focus going to be as you kind of, you know, I'm not a boxer, although I would have been incredible. That's a joke. I would not have been, but um, that reach. But I know you get punched in the face and, and you get a little disoriented and kind of like, where do you hold on to? Like, what do you hold on to? And, and I think having an identity for what you're aspiring to be and really, really feeling and knowing what that feels like and looks like is super important. It's going to be important for us to be resilient. It's one of the most important keys to having resilience is understanding who you are and how you react. It's a big reason why we kind of made this a multi-year project was so we could come into this league knowing ourselves a little bit better than just two months in the bank, right? And so... Um, you know that's going to be key for us here, and 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 so I don't know if that's ahead of schedule, but but I I do feel like um, we're as prepared as we can be going to this league, and now let's go see what happens. There's no doubt this team has been resilient with all the injuries you guys have overcome up to this point. Uh, none more important maybe than Foos. Atiki played great in the last game against Wyoming. What have you seen from him this year? How has he evolved his game over the years to be someone that you can rely upon? Well, it's been fun to watch Tiki's progress. You know, he played very little basketball before he got here to the States. In fact, you know, he was in Canada uh, at a prep school, but didn't get to play because of COVID. They literally had no game. So we, you talk about a guy that was really coming in raw. Um, but, you know, over the last two years, it's been really fun to watch him go from having really no concept of of defensive positioning or defensive rotations or defensive terminology. And over the last two years, he's grown so much in that area where I have a ton of confidence and he has a ton of confidence that he knows where to be, when they're be there, how to be there and what to do there. And um, then, then most recently this season, uh, it's been really fun to watch his growth uh, on the offensive end, especially his patience with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, that, that's what's really stood out the last several weeks is just that, that he is, um, you know, whether it's an offensive rebound or working out of a flow or a wide or a trail uh, from the top of the key or, or getting a post catch, um, his, his patience once the ball's in his hands has been really extraordinary. His decision-making has taken a massive jump, and it's been fun to watch him just digest the the information that you have to take in in real time in the game and be able to execute better it has been a lot of fun to see all these players like atiki take take these jumps on this byu team there's so many options nine different guys have scored at least 20 points in a game at least once in their college careers i'm curious though mark how critical is it in the big 12 to have guys that could be you know maybe have nba futures nba caliber players in this league because you look at like baylor and kansas they're gonna have maybe some lottery picks this year how critical is it if you're going to be in the t- upper half of the league to have guys that are maybe bona fide NBA players? 
We're about to find out, gentlemen. We're about to find out. I think I think that's an important piece. Um, I, I do think this is a team game, um, and 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 we're betting on the fact that we're going to find some ways to compete. We've gotten really hyperbolic uh, with our style of play, and we're going to try and hold on to that. And 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 we believe that that's going to give us uh, a chance to to compete um, with who we are. We also feel like we have really good players. Um, you know, we have we have some guys that are going to have long, long futures in this game um, as they continue to grow and get better. Um, and so it's going to be a combination of those two things and having great players, which I, I believe we do, and and also being able to approach this game a little bit differently, um, be a little bit on the fringe in terms of, of our, our play stylistically and see if we can uh, steal some games that way also. Just just to follow up on that, there's been some buzz nationally about Jackson Robinson as maybe an NBA guy. Do, do you buy that? Do you think Jackson could you know be an NBA player for in the future? Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, you know, you think about, uh, you know, when you when you just look at Jackson, you know, you see the, this guy that's six six seven two. Um, that that's those are NBA dimensions without a doubt. And um, his skill level, like his ability to handle the ball um, and make plays, and clearly, you know, he's an elite level shooter that's just growing into that as he becomes more and more confident. Um, and he still has so much untapped potential in terms of. You know, he could have um, a, a like game altering impact on the game on the defensive end. He's still trying to learn that part of it. You know, we, we've 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 been had some some opportunities to slide him into the point guard position. Um, not a lot, but we've had some and I think he's got a future there. Um, you know, he's got a huge upside and, it, you know, clearly has made a big jump. Probably the, the biggest jump that he's made over the offseason, even though he works so hard on his game was. Uh, building relationship with guys on his team, which we don't talk about all the time when you when you when you're trying to evaluate a guy to 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 go play at the next at the highest level, but it's ridiculously important. And the guys that make decisions value that. And um, so, yeah, for sure, I think um, that's something he aspires to, and certainly he's going to be in the in the ball game to. To have a chance to do that, he just has got to keep going every single day, just like all of us do. Jackson is is a, a lot like many players on your team that have accepted roles and maybe sacrificed a little bit for the better part of the team. Uh, we talked to Spencer Johnson last week, and he just echoed how impressive the unselfishness of this group has been up to this point. What is it about this particular team that has helped them become so unselfish? Well, two things. One, they, they love each other. Uh, they're trying to play for each other. And two, they understand like the stars um, in this game, guys that have a chance to play at the most elite level, um, they they usually have a chance to do it because they're about a team, right? Because teams win at the end of the day. It's interesting. Um, I'll never forget uh, Yoli Childs when he was when he was leaving to to become a pro. Uh, I had a really fun conversation with the front office of the Indiana Pacers that, you know, that people call and try and do background on the guys. And their first question is like, we know Yoli, we know what he can do. We've had him in for workouts. We love the whole thing. The one question we have is, is he a guy that we could play 15 minutes one night, 20 minutes the ne next night, have DNPs for five straight games and come back on game eight and be great playing 20 minutes? Because that's the life in that league. That that's how you become a star in that league, right? And um, and that's why Jackson Robinson 
is another reason why he's built for that league. There's a ton of guys in college basketball that go be great players starting games. That's not going to translate for 99.9% of the players that are actually good enough to go and play in the league. They're not going to start. They're going to f- play a role. And so the fact that Jackson Robinson is proving to the whole world that he can do that at an elite level right now, come off the bench and actually change the tenor of games every single night, that's actually a selling point for the next level. And our guys understand things like that. We have guys that are really wise about this game. We have guys that understand that, you know, it's not going to be scoring 20 points that actually gives you a chance to play at the next level. It's going to be becoming great basketball players. And our guys have really embraced that. Um, and they love each other. They're enjoying playing with each other. And this, our style of play kind of lends itself to, to volume of opportunity for a bunch of guys. And, and so you put all that stuff together. And so far, it's been a really good mix for our guys um, wanting to compete together and compete for each other. I think the other thing our guys realize, we need each other, you know. We don't have three dudes uh, on our roster that from their junior year in high school were slated to be lottery picks after their freshman year of college. This is not the DNA of our team. So we know we need each other. And that's actually fun, man. That makes this a rich experience. Um, when you, you know, when this is a bigger than just yourself, it makes it really beautiful. So hopefully those things will carry us through some of the adversity that we're sure to see in the Big 12 because every team sees that in the Big 12. Last thing for you, Mark, and we'll get you out on, on this. Thing. What are your expectations for this inaugural Big 12 season? I mean, I just think back to, what was it, Studio B at BYU Broadcasting in September 2021. We're asking you questions. I felt like this moment was such a distant thought, and now it's here. What are your expectations going into this thing? Uh, I expect that we're gonna. I expect that we're gonna learn a lot. I expect that we're gonna be stretched to the point of barely being able to exist on the planet Earth. Um, you know, I have huge expectations for this. This is why you do it. Uh, you know, my expectations are this is gonna feel like what it feels like when you go play at the most elite level um, available to you in college basketball, and that's where we're going. And um, that's what you live for as an athlete. It's what you live for as a coach. Um, you're not looking for easy. You're looking for the absolute most challenging, terrifying, daunting, scary road. Um, and that's what we got right now. And that's what we have is, is uh, BYU fans right now. And, and um, there's going to be a lot of pain and trials and turmoil that are associated with it. But, but listen, adversity is not, you know, a, a, a good life is not absent of adversity. A good life is full of adversity. That's what makes a life good. And, and that's what makes an athletic experience great. So we can't wait. Um, I feel like our guys have worked hard. I feel like we're prepared. I feel like we have an identity. And, and so it's time. It's the right time for us now to go take our first foray into this and start, start building on the next level. Can't wait to get there, guys. He's BYU head coach Mark Pope here on KSL News Radio, seeking win number 100 this Saturday night, 8 p.m. tip against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Mark, best of luck. Looking forward to covering it all, and uh, we'll talk again soon. See you guys Saturday. Thanks, guys. Final segment of the show on this BYU basketball game day. Tonight, BYU takes on Cincinnati. Big 12 opener. Tip off at 8. Pre-game at 7. Greg Rubel, Mark Durant on the call inside the Marriott Center. Matt and I will be 
covering the game for kslsports.com at the Marriott Center. Score predictions, Matt. Do you think the Cougars in this hot streak, do they get it done? Or how about we bring in producer Nate Slack. Nate, your thoughts. You'll be in the game as a fan. Think Cougs get it done? I'm a believer, man. I think BYU is going to win this one big. I know they're only a 10-point favorite, but I think with Foose coming back, first game in the Big 12, I think the place is going to be rocking. I've got BYU winning this one 85-64, to so by three touchdowns. I, I love it. You know what? I, I'll, I'll follow that up. Nate, I'm buying it that as well. BYU blowout 81-64. to Cougs make a statement. Their first impression in the Big 12 blowout win, and I think the nation's going to be buzzing about BYU basketball after tonight. I want you guys to be right. I just am not ready to go there yet. I think the strength of schedule has been light. I do like BYU to get a win. I'm going to say 81-74. Both of Cincinnati's losses this year have come when they've given up at least 80 points. So BYU's going to exceed 80. They're going to get the win. I think it's going to be close, and we're going to feel good about a win. A blowout would be unbelievable. Uh, a blowout would make this fan base go to another level because then you would feel like we're going to the tournament. It's just what seed we're going to get. Look, I'm just going to say Cincinnati's a good rebounding team, as we discussed Definitely. in the three-pointer earlier in the show. Like they, They're really tall, and BYU struggled against Utah when Utah was the tallest, uh, still the tallest team. So, look, I like BYU to win, but I think it's a single-digit win. Cincinnati has Aziz Bandango, Victor Lockin, uh, Jamil Reynolds, a Temple transfer. Yeah, you're right. They're they're a huge team, but I just think that this BYU team. They're, they're, I just kind of feel like there's an energy tonight, and BYU knows who they are. Cincinnati's still kind of feeling out who they are. Even earlier this week, Wes Miller, their coach, saying like they need to you know embrace that championship culture. Where like Mark Pope's like, we just need to be us, and we will win. Uh, like this team's confident, and I felt like watching practice earlier this week, they were loose, they were kind of upbeat. It didn't feel like the weight of the world was suddenly on them. That's the great thing about being in this league, Matt, is that BYU has no pressure on them. Despite being the number 12 team in the country and everything in front of them, there is no pressure. And, look, you got to protect home court, so there is pressure tonight. But I just think that this historic stage, Mark Pope gets his 100th win, BYU gets it done, and I think the three-point shot continues to fall for the Cougars in their Big 12 home opener. I do agree with you there. I think BYU's three-point shooting, to me, the – quality of opponent that doesn't really matter I think you either can do it or you can't we've seen BYU teams in the West Coast era Mitch just not shoot the three ball well enough and that that uh quality of competition is not to the level of the Big 12 all right looking forward to being there we'll be be there tonight check out our coverage on castlesports.com and uh, we'll see you next week and hey we'll be seeing you Monday for Cougar Nation it's back Basketball Cougar Nation, 6-7, to seven, right here on KSL News Radio. So until then, have a great weekend.